Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Well, grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead. Amen. Uh, Let's open up our journals, Romans journals, to Romans chapter 6. Thankfully, I found my Romans journal, and so I'll have to wash my car. (sighs) But I missed it. And so we uh, looked at Romans chapter 6, Easter Sunday. We're going to spend a little bit more time in chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 this morning, and so I'll read it for our hearing. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. This is the word of God. Uh, So we see this, what should we say then, argument coming from Paul. And Pastor John preached uh, last week in particular in verses one through four, saying, okay, if if God's gonna give you 100% before the test, right? Uh, 100% on your homework, he's going to say, you get 100% for your class, but I just want you to come to class and learn all you can and do the best you can, but you get 100% no matter what. And if God is offering that kind of free grace to us, what does the human nature do? Oh, great. I could just slough off, right? I could just slack the the whole class, right? And I'll still get 100%. Oh, yes, teacher, we're going to try the hardest we can 
The truth is our sinful nature takes that grace and does the worst thing with it. Decides, I'm going to sin all the more. I'm going to take advantage of this situation. And Paul says, don't let that be the case. Uh, And then he drives us again into the realities of our baptism. Right? He says, you can't think that way anymore because you've been baptized into Christ's death and into his resurrection. You've been united with him in a death like his and you've been united with him in a resurrection like his. So you can't think that way anymore. Instead, you've been called into newness of life. So I want you to take a look with me in verse 4. I'll show it to you as well. But I want you to see this, this strong argument being made. Uh, Paul is going to connect these, this argument with these in order that clauses, right? He's going to say this is what happened and this is the intended result. And so he says you've been buried therefore with him by baptism into his death. Why? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, let's read this, we too might walk in newness of life. And so his argument is saying, you can't think that way because you've been baptized. It's really an interesting argument. And he says, you're dead. Your old sinner is dead, buried with Christ. And God did all of this to you in Jesus Christ, not so that you could return to the old ways, but so that you could walk in newness of life. And so this walking metaphor is one often employed by the Old Testament that the way that you walk, right, is your, your, your lifestyle. It's the way that you conduct your life. It's the way that you order your days. It's the places you go and the people you see and the things you say and those routines that you have in your life day in, day out. It's your walk, your way of life. And so this is saying, you died to Christ. You used to walk in darkness. You used to walk in sin. But you died in Christ so that you might walk with God in newness of life. In other words, you've been saved from wickedness. You've been saved for righteousness. You've been saved from sin. You've been saved for God. This is incredibly important for us to understand and comprehend. And I think one of the difficulties we have in our, in our culture is not understanding that we are saved for something glorious. Uh, in the Christian imagination in America, we focus on the cross a lot, and rightly so. We focus on the reality that we are freed from our sins. And truly, this is the heart of the gospel. And sometimes we can forget that we're saved to walk with God. God didn't just send his son to get you off the hook. To say, okay, your sins are forgiven. Have fun. Adios. Good luck. He sent his son so that you could be with him. So that you could walk with him. So that you could be at his table, so that you could be his friend once again, so that he could, you could reconcile with the living God. And so the gospel is, you have been saved from death, you have been saved from sin, you have been saved from destruction, 
and you have been saved for relationship with the living God. You have been saved to walk alongside your Lord Jesus Christ. That now you not only have, your doom has been prevented, but also your life has been provided for in Jesus. And that's why you were baptized into Jesus' death. So that as Jesus was raised from the dead, you too might also live with Jesus, live with God, walk with God. Where else would we want to be? Uh, let's look at this next clause, verse 6. He continues in this argument. He kind of repeats himself so that it really sinks in. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that. Why did that happen? The body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Right? The argument is you used to be enslaved to sin. It was your master. It ruled over you. You didn't have control. You weren't free. You didn't have free will. You were doing what sin wanted you to do. But we know that our old self was crucified with Christ. Why? So that we could get away from that taskmaster. We could get away from that slavery. And we could be truly free in Christ. And that's why we were baptized, that our sins were brought to nothing with Jesus. Uh, the argument continues. Verse 7, or I'm sorry, over to verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Let's read this one together. So you also must consider yourselves dead and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I want you to notice this language very carefully. Um, all along in Romans, there's only been indicative statements. It's just describing what's going on. This is what happened in Christ, right? In Christ, God was the new Adam. He was bringing to an end the reign of death that came from the first Adam. In Christ, there is life eternal reigning in him, right? You have been crucified. It's an indicative. It's something that happened to you. You're not the star of this program, right? It's God and his action and what he's doing. And now here, finally, in verse 11 of chapter 6, we have the first imperative statement in the whole book. You must do something. This is the first imperative. It's the first command for you to do something. All the way up until this point, it was all just a grand description of sin and what God has done to release people from their sin and from their death. But now, he says, oh, by the way, this is something you have to do. And so if you're paying close attention, you should consider this carefully. What finally does he say, and you have something to do in this, he says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the first command in the book of Romans. Uh, first, he's described all these things that God has done for you. And now he says, here's what your first command is, is to consider this to be true. Now, it's a little bit difficult for us to understand this word, uh, consider. 
Uh, because this word consider has been used a lot of times in Romans already, and it's carried a, a pretty particular weight. It's when God reckons righteousness to people, or when he uh, reckoned righteousness to Abraham. It's a financial word, actually. It's like accounting. It's like God reckoned, accounted to Abraham righteousness because of his faith, right? And he will also account to us righteousness because of our faith. And this is the same word that's being used there, uh, but we kind of lose that sense of finance and evening the score. We could say, we ran the numbers, we crunched the numbers, we did the math, and our steadfast conclusion is, I'm dead to sin. It's a strong word. It's more than just kind of considering as if like we're kind of wondering about it, but rather we have come to the strong conclusion that this is the case. And so the picture is because of all that God has done in Christ Jesus, rescuing from us from our sin where we had no ability to rescue ourselves. In fact, we were condemned with the rest of the world, but because of what God has done in Christ Jesus, now we consider ourselves in a different way. We reckon, we conclude that we are no longer alive in sin, but that we are now alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is how we consider ourselves. And I love this. Also, I want you to notice kind of this strong language of life and death. Uh, life and death is kind of the most powerful experience we could even have on this planet, right? In fact, it's a little bit hard for us to get our hands around or our minds around. We don't even, we can't even compare. It's like, what's the best day of your life? What was the best day of your life? Well, we might say, well, you know, our, our marriage, right? Or our, maybe our eighth birthday, I got that bike, <laughs> But probably it's your birth, <laughs> right? It's when your life actually began. It's when you started to live, right? Or that's the best day of your life because apart from it, you wouldn't have any life, correct? Uh, similarly, what's the worst day of your life? It's like that day I stubbed my toe. It's a bad day. Well, no, it's probably the day you die, right? When that life actually ceases. So it's such an all-encompassing experience, we almost can't uh, compare it to anything else in our lives. And so this is the language that Paul employs to talk about our life in Christ and to talk about what happened in our baptisms, that there was a complete stop, like the most extreme thing that could happen in your life. You died, that happened to you in your baptism. See, it's almost hard for us to grasp. And the, the best thing that could ever happen to you, you actually begin to exist. That same thing happened to you in your baptism. And so the command here is to reckon, to see, to account that this is true of you. That this is your reality because of what has, God has said because of what he has done, that you have been given an entirely new life, and you should think of yourself in those terms. 
Has anyone ever uh, run out of gas in their car? Had that experience? Pretty common experience. We, um, my wife and I, were going to a wedding um, in Missouri, like near Branson, actually. Uh, but we were, we were talking, we were in this old uh, Chevy uh, little car, like 1989. This thing got like awesome gas mileage, just never needed gas, so we thought. And so we're driving to this thing, we're just having a great time, we're, t- we're yakking, we're listening to music, we're getting caught up in conversation, we're really just enjoying it. And we're going over these hills in Missouri, and they're just like up and down, you know, up and down. They're like little mountains, you're climbing these things. And so we're, we're passing people, we're going over, we're just getting into it, and all of a sudden, going up one, one giant hill, we just realize, you know, right, this, this car actually ran out of gas. I don't know how Chevy figured out how to get 40 MPGs out of this little car in the 80s, but there it was. But anyway, it ran out of gas, and so, uh, you know, you kind of start to pray a little bit, you're like, oh, just one more hill, just one more hill. Uh, and uh, maybe you coast down another hill, but then it's done, right? And you sit there, and what do you do when your car runs out of gas and you're on the side of the road? What's the first thing you do? You try to start it again. <laughs> you, know the, you know what the problem is. You know it's, it's not going anywhere, but, you know, just hoping against hope. Maybe there's some gas that, like, trickled down in there or something, and you're just going to try it again, and you're going to, like, kill the battery trying to do that, maybe. And finally, you come to the realization that it's just dead. It's not, it's not, there is no more use coming out of this car in this state. And this is you, right? This is how you should consider yourself when it comes to sin, that you are dead, that sin used to rule over you, it used to power you, it used to make you go, but now sin can get no more mileage out of you, because you are dead to sin, that there is no more traction, there is no more action, that sin cannot get you to go an inch further Because you have died to sin. And this is how we must consider our lives now in Christ. We say, I am dead to sin. My worldly life, where all I thought about was how I could get the most out of this situation. How I could get the most money. How I could get the most pleasure, the most enjoyment out of my life. Me, me, me. That that is dead. That life where I I was slave to my desires, just whatever my body wanted, right? Whatever input my body wanted, whatever pleasures my body wanted, that that is dead. I am dead to that way of life. That that life where I strove and strove to gather up fool's gold for myself feverishly while neglecting and disregarding the plight of the poor neighbor right next to me. That that person is dead. That life is dead. That life where I constantly hated my parents. I hated the instruction that they gave to me. I rejected their wisdom. I decided I was smarter than my parents. That I am dead to that way of life now. I don't think that way anymore. 
It's that life where I, I just had no meaning in life. I just didn't understand who I was or what I was destined for or what my purpose was in this life. I was just coasting along, just in a malaise, not knowing what to do and just wasting all my time. That I'm dead to that way of life now. All of that has died with Christ Jesus, and now I am alive to God in Christ Jesus. I have been taken from death to life. Now I'm alive, right? I have a new master. I have a new way of life. And what is it? Now I'm alive to God. I use my wealth for the sake of those around me as much as I possibly can. I'm glad to be impoverished for the sake of my neighbors as Christ was for me. I see through the lies of the wealth of this world. And now I'm alive to God where just like my heavenly father, I seek to bless and bless and bless even as those around me curse and curse and curse. I'm happy to take on a servant as Christ has served me. And now I'm alive to God as I love and cherish my mother and my father. I even might honor them by obeying them, even though they're not perfect, but nonetheless, they're gifts from God. And now I'm no longer a slave to the desires of my body. They don't, it doesn't run the show. I'm not that weak anymore. I've been empowered by Christ, and now I'm in charge, and I discipline myself to the end that God would have me do things with my body. I discipline my body to honor my heavenly Father. And now I know that I'm here on this earth for a reason. I'm here on this earth to be an image bearer, to reflect God's glory into this world, to serve my neighbor, to give myself again and again and again, to wring myself out like a rag, all of my energy for the sake of those people around me because this is who I am in Christ Jesus. This is what I have become in Christ Jesus, a glad steward of all creation. I'd gladly do it. I know on the last day, I'll be resurrected. And this is who I am now. And so God has called me from this way of death. He has put me into this way of life. And I see that now. I understand it. I recognize it. I consider myself dead to sin. And now I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus. And what's beautiful about this, if we go on a little bit in this text, he continues to encourage us uh, to see ourselves in this way. Let's look in verse 12. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's not going to have control over me. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. I want you to notice the embodied language here, right? That we are instruments, our, our bodies, our hands, our tongues, our eyes, those used to be offered over to sin, right? And sin got mileage out of us. And now we give all of our instruments, all of our members over to God. And God now 
is, has dominion over us, and this is a good thing. We're glad to be under his righteous rule. I want you to notice what it says there in the middle, as those who have been brought from death to life. I want you to see that this is the opposite pattern of the rest of this world. In the rest of this world, the pattern is life to death, right? Everyone is on a trajectory from life to death, and so there's a scramble to hold on to that life. For Christians, it's the opposite. It says, you have died already. You got your death out of the way in your baptism. You already died. And now you're going from death to life. And in fact, this was the pattern first laid down by our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus said of himself in the Gospel of John, if, unless I die, unless I fall to the ground like a seed in the ground, I cannot bear much fruit. But if I die, I will bear much fruit. Right? Jesus shows us that there's a new pattern of life for Christians where first we die, we die to this world, we die to sin, and then we are raised up and producing fruit. As Jesus himself produced so much fruit, right? All of us are the fruit of Jesus Christ and his work. So too, as we recognize ourselves as dead to sin and alive to Christ, we too bear fruit. We too offer to this world things it did not have before. And we give ourselves to God for this purpose. Uh, during my years at seminary, I was privileged, I think the first year that I was there, I was privileged to uh, have a time where I went into a jail to, do, to shadow a pastor, a chaplain, who was a chaplain for the jail. And so for a couple months I would go into this jail a couple times a week, go through all the security, you know, uh, go up the elevators, see all the guards, uh, and I would go and uh, I would host a Bible study uh, for these jail inmates. And when I went in there, I, I met a young man uh, named Trevor, and one of the things that was really interesting is as I was in there, in my mind I'm like, okay, I'm the seminarian. I'm going to go and like teach these guys some things. These guys are like the poor inmates, right? They're the poor uh, mess-ups. And that's just kind of the way you have your mindset. But I went in there, and I found out that these guys were like experts in the Scripture. And I was pretty much learning from them, right? I wasn't there to teach. <laughs> I was there to learn. And so I found out that these guys, uh, a lot of them had just spent so much time uh, studying scriptures as they were in the prison. They, were, they, they had done things that had got them there, but now they were focused on, on knowing the gospel and sharing the gospel and looking forward to it. And maybe it's because they, they knew that they had nothing left or they had been humbled by God in their circumstances, but I found that their, their faith was amazingly vibrant, and I, I found myself wanting to be there uh, because of how strong their faith was and inspiring. And so I was talking to uh, this young man, uh, Trevor, and asking him about his life. Like, he was such a gentle guy, such a wise guy. He was a young man. But I said, you know, how did you get in here? What happened? And he said that he didn't want to tell me the, all the reasons. He, would, he didn't want to tell me all of the details. But he just said, 
um, I was just really wrapped up into violence. And I had done a lot of violent things. And I kept doing violent things, and so they put me in here. And in his life, his members, his body, right, had been given over to violence, had been given over to sin. Um, But now, even though he was imprisoned, he was no longer a slave to that sin. Even though he was stuck in prison, right, God had changed his heart. Even though he was still paying the consequences for that, that slavery to sin, he was no longer a slave. He was free. He was free, and now he used his attention, he used his time to teach other people about the gospel. He used his, his mouth, his mind, right, his body, instead of doing violence, he used it to teach a seminarian about God. So too for us. We no longer live under the slavery of sin. What has happened God has crucified you with Christ, Paul says, so that you might be raised to new life with Christ. And so you now no longer offer yourselves over to sin as members of sin's body, but rather you offer yourself over to God. Actually, even though we too are still paying the consequences for our sin, we still die in this life, what has happened to you? You're free. You are free in Christ Jesus. You are not bound to sin anymore. You're not going to return back to an old slave master. But rather, you can live freely in him. And you can offer your members up to God in hope right now of what he has done. I want you to notice in this text, um, when is this, right? When has God brought you from death to life? Already. Now. Yeah, even though you die in this life, in faith in Christ, you are already brought from death to life. You don't have to wait to the resurrection to live in this hope. It's yours today. And so offer yourselves to God in this light because God has brought you from death to life as he has brought Christ from death to life. And so too you give yourself to him. Let's read this last verse together. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for bringing us from death to life. We thank you for freeing us from the slavery to sin that we, we had in this life. And we thank you that we are now under your righteous rule. Uh, Lord God, we give ourselves to you now. All of our members, our mind, our body, our hands, our feet, our souls, everything under your care. Uh, because you have brought us from death to life. Help us, Lord, to use all of our bodies, all of our energy Uh, for righteousness as we look forward to the glorious resurrection that is ours in Christ Jesus. And we pray in his holy name. Amen.